Hi, I'm Sue King. I'm a partner in KPMG's advisory SOX practice uh, based in Los Angeles. And as I start to speak, you'll notice my accent, even though uh, I certainly think that I sound American and my accent's going away. Uh, certainly everybody in the UK thinks that I'm American. So you might be asking, why Why is an English girl talking about a US regulation? But, uh, but the reality is I've been in the US for over 25 years now uh, and have really lived, uh, lived with SOX ever since it was first enacted in 2002. Um, and so as of today, I'm the SOX solution lead for KPMG. KPMG's advisory practice. So uh, I feel like I've got a lot of experience with SOX. Thank you for that, Sue. And hello, everyone. I am Joda Prospero. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Advice Worth Keeping. And I'm here with KPMG advisory partner, Sue King. So, Sue, as we dive into our topic, can you share a bit more about SOX regulation in order to establish the framework for our listeners? So as many of you know, the SOX regulation was passed over 15 years ago, and yet it continues to be a regulation that everybody struggles with. And certainly in my role as head of our SOX solutions for KPMG, I'm constantly being asked by people, you know, when will the PCO be, uh, be done? When, when will we have enough internal controls? And the reality is that, you know, as I, as I listen to the SEC or the PCOB and listen to their speeches or see any of their pronouncements or look at their actions, um, there's really no indication that they're going to reduce their focus on internal controls in, in the future. Um, we continue to see them focus on internal controls. For example, the SEC talks about internal controls in their comment letters. Uh, any interaction that filers have with them, they really talk about internal controls. And certainly when you look at the inspection results from the PCOB and the PCOB's plan of work, then you certainly see that they, they continue to be focused on internal controls as it relates to uh, external audits. So, you know, rather than really looking at this and saying, gosh, when, when is the regulation going to be done or going to go away, we really think that companies really need to focus on how do you make sure that you've got a quality SOX program. Um, and I, I find that a lot of times organizations are really just focused on you know, how can you do your SOX program cheaper or faster? Um, and, and by doing that, I find that many of many SOX programs have, have lost their way or have become stale or have become kind of more of a compliance exercise as opposed to really having a SOX function that's providing guidance and value to the organization uh, and really driving a, a constant improvement in internal controls. So what are the first things you look for when you evaluate a SOX program? That's a great question. And one of the thing, first things that I do is to ask a company, what, what is their strategy? What is their strategy around SOX? And uh, a lot of times that question uh, is kind of received with, gosh, what, what do you mean strategy? I don't think of SOX as being a strategy. A lot of people are thinking about SOX as being more of uh, a compliance exercise. But, but the reality is you really should have a, a strategy. And, and, and do you as an organization have a point of view of, of what you're really trying to achieve with your SOX program? We find that a lot of organizations have decided to just align themselves with, with what the external auditor is doing and the external auditor's program. But, but that often leads to a program that's really focused on, uh, on maximizing external auditor reliance, and that, that becomes kind of the sole focus. Um, and the reality is that the SEC guidance, which governs what management needs to do, and the PCOB guidance that governs what the external auditors need to do are, are fundamentally different. So, you know, the, the external auditor's role is to really think about uh, a one-time independent assessment, and that's what drives a lot of the rules that we really think of um, when we think of SOCs. We think of sample sizes and roll-forward period and um, 
the amount of key report testing that has to be done. And all of that is, is really directed or is completely directed at the external auditor because of the fact that they've got to form that one-time independent assessment. But the reality is that the company can use a lot of the ongoing knowledge that they have um, to be able to, to reach conclusions or to support their internal controls. And so really, you need to be able to think about how are you going to distinguish those two. Um, and ultimately, if you've built your internal program completely aligned with the external auditor guidance, then what we end up seeing is we see a lot of over-testing. Um, we tend to see a lot of kind of external um, substantive financial um, audit type procedures put in there um, and really see a lot of scope creep uh, and a lot of additional work that perhaps doesn't need to be in there. So the, 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 the other thing that tends to happen is that we end up with programs that are built upside down. So when I say upside down, I mean that a program is spending a lot of time on the reliance controls, so really trying to achieve that maximum uh, external auditor reliance. But by definition, that means that, that the program is spending a lot of time on the lower risk controls uh, and really not spending as much time on the, on the higher risk controls because of the fact that the external order isn't able to place reliance on them. So I really do find a lot of times uh, the programs are built upside down just in terms of focus and time and effort. And that's where we're really coming back to really have a strategy and, and sit back and think about what you're trying to achieve um, in your SOX program. So, Sue, to your point about strategy, uh, what, what kind of strategy might the company adopt? So, a lot of times people say to me, well, gosh, are you saying that we should not be trying to achieve um, maximum external auditor reliance? And that's not what I'm saying. But, but a lot of times what we might say is like, well, let's, let's look at those controls that the external auditor is going to rely on. And for those, let's follow the PCOB external auditor guidance. But when we're looking at non-reliance controls, then you can take a different strategy. So, you know, for when you're taking a different strategy, maybe you don't need to be doing full roll-forward testing. Maybe you don't need to be testing um, the Q4 samples. Uh, and, and really, what we would recommend is much more focus on the design. So, so get out of doing kind of the Q4 testing, but move your activities further up in the year and say, well, gosh, in Q1 or Q2, maybe that's where I should be looking at these higher risk controls where there's a lot more estimates and judgments, uh, there's a lot of maybe complex uh, kind of key reports or spreadsheets. And how do you work with the process owners and really say, is there a way for us to streamline uh, or improve this control? Um, is there a way to enhance some of the documentation knowing that the PCOB is really focused on estimates and precision and how, how do you support all of those? But really spend a lot of time kind of in that upfront area really helping the process owners and control owners really think through, um, through the design. So, you know, we know that the PCOB is focused on estimates and judgments. And so really spending time in those areas like around bed debt reserves, inventory reserves, and so on. Um, you know, and then, then ultimately, you know, a lot of people feel uncomfortable with that. But again, going back to the SEC guidance, um, that, that is the guidance that's governing the activities that management needs to do to support their internal control assertion, it doesn't say that you've got to do specific testing. So um, management already has that 
uh, can obtain that evidence through other means. So, you know, we already know that controllers, chief accounting officers, even CFOs are going to be involved in some of those big estimates and judgments that are done towards the end of the year. And that can also be used to um, to support your control um, control decision. So, um, so once you've made that strategic decision, then, you know, the SOX function um, role for those higher risk functions becomes much more about, you know, how to enhance the design, how to enhance the documentation, how to streamline and strengthen the controls, for example, over completeness and accuracy around reports and so on, um, and really make sure that you're focused on those higher risk areas that, that really are those focus areas that the PCOB is putting so much emphasis on is continuing to say, gosh, those are the areas that truly are going to be to cause material weaknesses. And so that really should be where you're spending your time is on those areas that might potentially cause a material weakness for the organization. Great. So what else should a SOX function be focused on? So very often we find that a SOX function becomes becomes just a testing function. Um, and then, as I've just talked about many times, that function is over-testing because, you know, if ultimately all of your, all that you're doing is just testing, then, then you end up with kind of a, a dead period. So kind of in that kind of March to June time period where it's, it's frankly as difficult to do any meaningful testing. Um, uh, and yet, if you've got a testing function, uh, sorry, an internal testing function, then uh, then we see people deciding, well, gosh, we'll do year-end testing. And you know, the, while there certainly may be some merits to doing some kind of continuous monitoring or rotating rotating the testing function, uh, what we tend to see is that ultimately it leads to over-testing, which puts uh, a burden on the control owners. Uh, as well as kind of wasting those resources that could be used um, elsewhere. So instead, you know, we really say that the SOX function should have that uh, that role to be much more of an advisor, assisting the company in enhancing and strengthening the controls, you know, thinking about, you know, control considerations, for example, around new accounting pronouncements, you know, being involved in new system implementations and upgrades, um, thinking about the controls related to kind of rapidly growing business units that, that will come into scope in the future, or maybe even think about some of the out-of-scope business units um, or systems that, that aren't currently in scope for SOX, but where they really should um, should put the internal controls there. So there are lots of areas that, that can add value, but a lot of times we see those SOX functions um, perhaps not being quite so proactive, proactive and, and really getting stuck kind of being much more of a control tester. Can you talk a little bit more about technology? Uh, you just spoke about uh, out-of-scope applications. Are there other areas uh, the SOX function should be embracing technology? Gosh, that's uh, that's a huge question. I could probably talk about for hours here, but but yeah. let me cover let me cover a few areas kind of at a high level. So, um, first of all, let's think about kind of uh, technology as part of the SOX program. And what we're finding is many SOX programs are now looking into implementing a GRC system to assist with their SOX program. So we've seen products like Audit Board and Workiva um, being uh, high growth areas and and certainly being um, adopted by many SOX functions. And these are these are great great tools. Um, unfortunately, I've seen too many implementations that have failed um, or have resulted in ultimately having an additional admin burden on the SOX function because as, you, as companies implemented the um, 
implemented the tool, they didn't take the time to also, you know, go through a controls rationalization to really think about, you know, what is the the ongoing data model that we want. Unfortunately, um, you know, those software tools come with, with a lot of different options, and so you can end up uh, implementing something that, that is great but becomes kind of an admin drag. And so, um, you know, really thinking through what do you want the workflow technology to be achieving and not creating something that's kind of uh, an admin burden that, that offsets the benefit that that workflow tool um, really should be giving. So that's the first area is really thinking about kind of workflow technology. Um, the second area is data analytics. So uh, one of the things that I've been saying for quite a while is that I hope by the time I retire that we're done uh, done taking samples of 25. And I think there are many people who uh, who would agree with me on that. And I think we're I think we're slowly moving in in that direction. Um, but I really think that this is where. A SOX function really needs to be acting as as an advisor to help the organization to change the way that they design the operation of the control, um, so that they are covering 100% of the population. So, this is um, you know this is by far the most effective way to des design a control and is get to the point where the process owner is reviewing 100% of a population. So, for example, um, if you say like okay, I'm going to review all the transactions that went through a three-way match. Um, and let's say you go through and you say uh, on a monthly basis, for example, you can see that 99% that, uh, of the transactions went through the three-way match process effectively. Only 1% didn't go through. That only amounted to a million dollars, let's say, and that's not material for your organization. So if you're a control owner, then, then that's great because then you know you can also be looking at you know what's the root cause of why did some of these transactions fall out of the standard process? You can start doing some process improvement and so on, and that's really how the the process owner should start thinking about those controls. That the reality is that if if as the testing function you were to do that. Then, then you actually would have created yourself an issue because what you would have done is proven empirically that while, um, while 99% of the time all the transactions did go through the standard process, what you've what you've shown is empirically that 1% of the time they didn't, and therefore there could have been a material amount that that didn't follow the process. So, so certainly you d you don't want to be doing that kind of activity as a tester. But this is again where the SOX function can really be assisting the organization and saying, okay, if you as a control owner were to do that activity, then that really helps us to put that you know it could not have been material. It helps you to put that kind of ring fence around it, uh, which really helps. So what we have found is that the, the SOX function, you know, the skill sets of people um, really should be able to help the control owners to be able to, to make that shift in what is the control. You know, the, the other question that a lot of times I get asked is, well, gosh, the external auditor is not going to like that approach. They're going to stick with their sample of 25. And the reality is that that's fine because Ultimately, even if they do find any issues, then you can always go back and say, well, I've already done my analysis of 100% of the population, and I can see that it was not material, and I know that it could not have been material because I've got this this other control there. So um, I know that, that got a little complicated there. I went a little deep. Uh, I told you I get excited about this uh, about these topics here. But, but that's one of the ways that I think we can really start thinking about data analytics and how we can start building those into the control functions uh, and ultimately get to a much better answer by, um, by looking at 100% of the population.
So while we're going to kind of down this technology path, you know, I guess the, the final piece that I would talk about is bots. And so, you know, this is certainly one of the things that uh, that I get asked all the time, you know, when's, when's KPMG going to be done hiring staff and instead, you know, automate everything and use bots? Um, and the reality is that KPMG is spending, you know, millions of dollars, you know, developing bots and investing a lot of money um, in developing bots to perform the testing. Um, and, you know, certainly that's something that as a, as a large organization, we can invest that money, which becomes much more difficult for kind of individual um, organizations to be investing in that. But but one of the things that I, that I do is really turn that question back around, because I think if you look at the total cost of a control, um, yes, there's a, there's a certain amount of cost in there to be able to test the control, but there's much more cost involved in the actual execution of the control activity and then, you know, in reviewing it and dealing with any exceptions and so on. So really what we should be doing is saying, how do we streamline the control and then how do you apply bots or automation to the actual control itself? And again, I think that goes back to the earlier comments I was making about you know what 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 should the SOCs function be doing in terms of really providing that advice and guidance to say you know how do we standardize and streamline some of these controls and then really start saying like okay how can we drive some automation around it um, that is going to ultimately enhance your control structure and then ultimately will lead to a, a much lower testing effort so that that really is the direction that that we need to be going and again i think the SOX function is well positioned to be the advisor to help help an organization think through that well it is a complicated topic and that requires a longer answer and i appreciate the level <laughs> of uh, the level of depth you went into on that one so uh so to, to wrap up here, can you summarize in just a few key points what our listeners should walk away with today? Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, some of the things as you think about your SOX function, I think, you know, really think about, you know, do you have the right SOX strategy or do you have a SOX strategy at all? Um, you know, I think also think about, you know, are you constantly struggling to address your external auditor's questions about risk and controls and if you're constantly struggling to to answer those then it probably means that you need to revisit um, how some of your SOX program is stru structured if you don't already kind of have those ready answers to how are you as an organization dealing with um, dealing with risk um, you know, I think also thinking about, you know, are you doing a good job of really kind of leveraging leading practices and techno technological innovations, like I say, whether that's workflow, whether it's starting to use data analytics or whether it's using automation. Um, I think also, you know, thinking about, you know, is your pro is your testing program too cumbersome? Um, you know, are you ending up over testing or ending up being too aligned to the PCOB? And is there some time that could be stripped out there to be on, um, to be spent on more value added type activities? Um, and, and I guess big picture, right? Have you ended up with a SOX program that's kind of lost the purpose of SOX, uh, of, uh, of SOX testing? So, um, you know, are you are you just trying to check the box, or are you actually trying to identify areas of risk and, and really have a, an active role in redesigning and strengthening the overall um, organization's control function? So, those would be some of the things that I that I would think about, and I hope that you took away from today. Great. Thank you, Sue. Uh, you certainly uh, are passionate about this topic, and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot and appreciate that passion. Thanks again. Thank you.